Hey there, peeps. Wow, that's a probably an outdated word. This is Chris Abalo, and welcome to Chris Abalo's Podcast Experiment, Episode 3. First of all, let me apologize for the delay in posting this particular show. I'll quickly explain what happened. About two weeks ago, after Episode 2 was done and freshly posted, around the middle of that week, I woke up feeling pitiful one day. I was congested in my nose and chest and sneezing, and it was just awful. And during that week, I was trying to figure out a day when my banter buddy, for lack of a better term, for this episode would have been able to come over and do episode three with me. But then I got sick and I was out for the count for a few days, so we ended up pushing it back. So it was about five days later that I started feeling overall good. I'd say it was probably 80%, but since I've been so strict lately with making sure I'm getting to the gym and continuing with my consistent and steady weight loss as I'm getting back to normal, I'm almost back to my normal weight after my unnecessary weight gain last year. I went back to the gym because I didn't go, obviously, during the couple of days I was sick, but having missed a few days from my normal routine, I pushed myself way too hard and ended up relapsing. So after all that, before this past weekend, I was feeling horrible again, and I basically couldn't talk for a couple of days. So not only did I have to push back the recording of the episode with this particular banter buddy, but as it turns out, I couldn't speak at all, which would have been a joy for most people who know me to not have me speak for very long. I couldn't sit and do what I'm doing basically right now without coughing every 20 seconds. And it just would have been too much of a pain to record and then edit around that. And at the same time, my voice sounded scratchy. It may still sound a little bit scratchy. It might not be quite 100%, but I'm over the whole coughing thing, but there might be a lingering touch of congestion. But as it turns out, the, the difficulty of this episode, which is the third one, so it should have been the charm, but maybe not so much. Alas, I'm not going to skip an episode, so you guys have me for this entire show, which is fine because I have a bunch of stuff I want to riff on, and hopefully this stuff will make you laugh, and everybody needs that on a Monday. That's why it's good that this show goes up on Monday. A lot of people hate Mondays. Actually, Ricky Gervais tweeted, <laughs> Mondays are fine. It's just your job you hate. And I really think that's the case for most people. People dread going back to work if they have a Monday to Friday gig. So I really think that plays into why people can't stand Mondays and all the workload is accumulated. And uh, it's, it's annoying. Alas, uh, not so much the problem here because Cape is here to spread joy. That's what it's about. Making you laugh, maybe making you think, bringing some interesting discussion into your week and starting that at the beginning of the week. Hey, why not? So anyway, plenty of stuff to talk about that I'm just going to go on and on about for the next little while. So first off, I didn't talk about this in the first episode of Cape because I kind of want to talk about a few things and set up the show as I expected it to be. And uh, yeah, the show was recorded already by the time I went to this event. But Wednesday, March 27th, I went to the Rock Against MS benefit concert at the Whiskey A Go-Go, the famed Whiskey A Go-Go on Sunset Boulevard and... I'd actually heard about it because of Orianthe, who I discussed in the first episode. She was promoting it on Facebook that she was going to be appearing playing guitar with Rick Springfield's band. And I thought, wow, that's, that's actually going to be pretty cool because I do like Rick Springfield's. I mean, I only really know his 80s stuff like Jesse's Girl and Love Somebody and I've Done Everything For You, which I believe Sammy Hagar wrote. And what's not to love about Sammy Hagar? So... I was excited at thinking, oh, cool, I'll get to see Rick Springfield and Orianthe in one shot. But I didn't realize all the people who were going to be performing at the show. And it was pretty amazing. It was cool to see a lot of people show up from different bands and basically get up and play covers. But it was cool just to see everyone having fun for a good cause and raising some money. And uh, the, the list is endless of people who were there. It opened up with Chevy Metal, which had Taylor Hawkins for the Foo Fighters on drums and two other dudes, I'm not sure who they were, but they did a whole array of, <laughs> like, it's basically a big medley of all these classic rock songs to open up the show. But that was pretty much the tip of the iceberg. Uh, Richie Kotzen was there, who played in Poison on what I regard as an only good album, Native Tongue, which probably not a lot of people agree with me. And he also played guitar in Mr. Big after Paul Gilbert departed on Mr. Big's 
well, not their last two albums because they recently did a new one, but but he played guitar on Get Over It and Actual Size, which are both really good albums as well. He played with his daughter singing. That was really cool. Jack Russell, longtime singer for Great White, who left the band, was fired from the band. I'm not exactly sure. You always hear kind of something different. But he did a, a set of Great White tunes that sounded awesome. I mean, he could really, really sing the hell out of those songs just as well as he did on the original records from 20 years ago or more actually probably closer to 30 years ago at this point but he was great that was very cool to see him and this was really exciting because marky ramon was playing and i thought oh this is going to be cool regardless of who he's playing with he's keeping the ramones tradition alive in that aside from the various bands he's played in like the misfits where he's just been the drummer he pretty much goes out and keeps the ramones tradition alive and whatever musicians are playing in his band, they usually do almost entirely Ramon songs, which I thought was really, really cool. I believe the most recent was Marky Ramon's Blitzkrieg. I could be wrong. It may have been another gone by another name recently. But that was really cool to see him play, especially because I'd met him a few years ago at Virgin Megastore in Times Square when the Ramon's Raw DVD came out. But anyway, it was only disappointing in that the people who <laughs> were playing the songs with him the rest of the band didn't know the words to the songs or mess them up in some capacity now i get it maybe if you fumble the words or mix up the verses or whatever when you're playing certain songs but if you're playing with Marky ramon and you're playing ramon's songs i would think you would make sure that you had all that stuff memorized because i mean for crying out loud it's Marky Ramone, the guy who played on the bulk of the Ramones albums and is one of, well, only two <laughs> surviving members of the Ramones. So uh, I don't know how you can get on stage and then just not know the material when you're playing songs with the person who played on the songs originally. That just boggles my mind. But whatever. It's only made worse by the fact that they didn't know what the cause was that the concert was supporting. I'm talking to you, Gilby Clark. But overall, it was great. Oh, yeah, and Billy Idol showed up, which was fun, <laughs> during a set with, I'm trying to remember everybody who was in the band. I can't. But he did White Wedding, and it, he was he's a funny dude anyway, man. He's <laughs> he, he was unannounced. He just kind of showed up at the event, and uh, his guitar player, Billy Morrison, was there anyway. So he got on stage while Billy Morrison was up playing a few songs. And that was that was really cool to see. I've never seen Billy Idol live, but he did a handful of songs, and that was a really good time. And, of course, Rick Springfield and Orianthe, which, offhand, I know he played Love Somebody and Jesse's Girl, of course. I don't know the other two songs that they played, but uh, incidentally, I did pick up his CD that came out in December, Songs for the End of the World, and it is really, really good. Not that I was expecting it was going to be crap necessarily but because i like that catchy rock or some would dub it power pop i love that type of music i figured eh, let me throw down 10 bucks and pick up the cd and it is really good actually the songs and the production and all that reminded me of a good foo fighters cd oh chris you're not hating the foo fighters no i'm not actually i just mean when you hear foo fighter songs like best of you and learning to fly the singles the bigger songs and you just hear the the kind of soaring production i'm sure that's a pretty good word to describe it i would describe it as soaring production it reminded me of that and uh the songs are really good that's actually a really good album so check that out songs for the end of the world glenn hughes actually closed out the show and he was in deep purple and black sabbath and he's done a bunch of stuff on his own aside from that most recently black country communion with joe bonamassa Derek sherinian and jason bonham which actually recently split up but he did a really awesome set of a couple of their songs, which I didn't really dig until I heard them live. And now I've gone back and listened to the Black Country Communion stuff, and I do like it. So now I'm going to have to pick it up, despite not being too hot on it the first time. Hearing him sing it live, frankly, made all the difference. And that has happened a few times where I've heard something live, and then it just clicked. The show overall was almost five hours and just a lot of fun. It was cool to see a bunch of people getting together for a good cause, playing some cover songs and some of the songs from their catalog and having fun, and it, you know what? A, a good time was had by all, as far as I could tell, and geez, got my money's worth, too, because it was, like I said, about five hours. So that was a really, really good time. I'm glad I went out, and it was cool to see. It's, it's fun seeing musicians get together, especially talented people. 
playing in a club, having fun, and supporting a good cause. So there we go. That was a bit of fun. Oh, actually, a few things I did want to bring up that are kind of specific to Los Angeles. More, I don't want to say funny observations, but just things I've noticed being out here compared to other parts of the country. Even though I've mostly lived in New Jersey and spent plenty of time in the tri-state area, which I regard as being New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania, by the way. I don't know how Delaware crept into that whole tri-state area thing. But whatever. There are just a few fun things I noticed. Like, for instance, I went to, I was at a mall recently, and I go into Nordstrom's just to look around a little bit, and every store in America now, whether it's a department store or a big box retailer, everywhere has a coffee bar. It's, that's just the way it is. Ever since Starbucks made coffee mainstream, coffee is now sold everywhere. So there had to be a little coffee bar there called the E-Bar, which I don't know what the E stands for, and it really doesn't matter. But anyway, they had to sign up for an iced green tea cooler. And what's the difference between the iced green tea cooler you can get at Nordstrom's E-Bar and the iced green tea you can get anywhere? That's right, about $4. Now, having said that, I see something like ice green tea cooler, which the cooler probably just means there's some kind of fruit juice added into it, unless it's just super cold ice. I had to try it. If you make, if you somehow make a high-end version of something that I enjoy the ordinary version of, I have to try it because I'm a sucker, I guess. So I tried it, and it was okay. It was nothing right home about, as my father would say. But uh, apparently it's worth mentioning on a podcast. So there we go. Actually, upstairs in this same Nordstrom's on the third floor, there was a bistro. And it's a little, I think it's weird that a department store, a clothing store no less, because I don't believe Nordstrom sells anything aside from makeup, cologne, perfume, and clothing. There's actually this restaurant with a bar in it. And I thought, really? You have to have a restaurant in here where in between blowing her husband's money, some woman can knock back a couple of martinis? That just seems a little unnecessary to me. And this is a Thursday afternoon. This is around noon, 1 o'clock. So I have to suspect that the women who are there are probably spending their husband's money because it's an early weekday afternoon. Uh, what was I doing there? Uh, well, that's none of your business. Uh, and speaking of being out and about, by the way, I don't understand guys who go into an empty restroom and go into the stall to take a leak instead of using a urinal. Why? It's not as if the technology on a urinal is so beyond anything you could possibly comprehend or beyond the, the scope of what you're able to handle. I just, that baffles me to no end. It's not as if, oh, that, that's all that's available are stalls. Everything else is in use. So, all right, let me run into a stall. We're talking about an empty restroom. I don't understand why it's something that guys do. And I've seen it multiple times recently. What's the point? I just get, are you just so used to using the standard commode at home that you you're intimidated by the the technology of a urinal especially one that flushes itself that, that's something that's so weird to me it just totally baffles me as far as why guys somehow what do you need privacy as i mean the bathroom's empty until i walk in but why the stall and that makes zero sense to me actually since I'm talking about bathrooms. That reminds me of something really random I learned about myself this week. Uh, and incidentally, I know this probably sounds like a stand-up routine minus the audience laughter after comments, which I guess I could probably insert some canned laughter underneath this show, but it'll probably get stale pretty quickly if I do that. And it'll sound forced. And it's like, oh, he thinks he's so funny. No, this is just stuff I've noticed this week. And rather than write it all out in like a blog, I thought I'd share it with you one-on-one because a show needs to go up this week. So there you go. But I noticed about myself that when I go to a gas station, since California, like most of the United States, you have to pump your own gas. If I'm parked at pump number two and I'm going inside and paying cash for gas, I will say $20 on pump two, please. I won't say $20 on number two because that to me, (laughs) I guess that just sounds weird to me. So I avoid it. Number one, not so bad. Number two, there's more of an underlying joke in there somewhere. So I figured out that somehow my subconscious, <laughs> earlier in this weekend I was getting gas, it seems that I'm not allowing myself to say $20 on number two. Yeah, it does sound kind of funny when you say it. All right, just a few more items as far as being out and about is concerned. I did stop into a 7-Eleven, and I noticed on the, you know, the obviously the rolling griddle or grill, I don't know what it's considered, <laughs> where they have the hot dogs and 
taquitos and all that, they actually have, and there's a sign for it saying that new, they have this bizarre concoction called a blueberry pancake sausage roller, which is a blueberry pancake type substance wrapped around a sausage. Really? Have we gone that far over the edge that, well, we can't possibly have pancakes and sausage, no time, but I can have a cheap equivalent if I pop into 7-Eleven and eat them all in one bite. And don't give me that, oh, it all goes to the same place argument either. You don't taste it when it's in your stomach. So if you're going to eat breakfast sausage, that's fine. If you're going to eat pancakes, that's fine. Eating blueberry pancakes and sausage on the same fork even, that strikes me as weird. But needing to get something like this for breakfast, I don't know who thought that was going to be a good idea, but that, no, no, that bothers me. There's no need for that. Blueberry pancake sausage roller. Everything about that just sounds wrong. And here's the person who annoys me while I'm trying to park when I'm out and about. The person who needs to stop, hold up nine cars behind them because they need to back into a space. And it's always a, a Lexus or something like that. You don't see a guy in, a, in an 89 Camry backing into a space. It's always a Lexus or a Beamer or something like that. And it's always a guy, by the way. I never notice women doing it. But a guy who has to back in the space, hold up a bunch of cars behind him. Like, dude, pull in head first. There's no reason you need to back into a space. What do you expect? The president's going to call and you're going to save yourself seven seconds by not having to back out of the space? Give me a break, man. Stop holding up traffic. There's enough traffic in Los Angeles as it is. There's enough difficulty finding a parking space. Pull in head first and back out when you leave. It's not that difficult. And you know what? You're, you're shaving off seconds but you're holding up nine people behind you. So knock it off. <sighs> Actually, speaking of guys who annoy me, is <laughs> there aren't very clever transitions here, so don't listen for them. I was out grocery shopping about two weeks ago, and I saw a guy wearing a pink wig with, there must have been grapefruits or something, under his shirt, masquerading as boobs, and he's wearing short, shorts didn't have hair in his legs but it was a guy because first of all i could see stubble i guess he wasn't conscientious enough to put a little foundation on or something because <laughs> why put on the pink wig and the short shorts and put the i don't know what the hell he was using his boobs but you could tell they were fake and when he spoke he had a man's voice the heartbreaker of it all he was wearing a t-shirt that i also own <laughs> It was a t-shirt with a character on it. And unfortunately, the experience of seeing this wacko, I haven't worn that t-shirt since. There's a part of me that hesitates if I'm thinking about putting it on because it has been soiled by the memory of some random dude in a pink wig and shorty shorts with round objects under his shirt it's totally, it's tainted that t-shirt for me, unfortunately. I'm sure I'll get over it at some point, but it's too fresh right now. And a lot of stuff at stores, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, there's an awful lot of things that have happened at stores that have bugged me, like going out to find a TV. Now, I've moved into a new apartment, and I'm kind of getting things piece by piece, having moved into an apartment for the first time seven years ago, and charging a whole bunch of money on a credit card to furnish an apartment right away. That's not a bad idea, and I wasn't wrong for doing it when I did it the first time. But since I'm also living alone right now, I don't need to have everything immediately because it's just me. So I didn't need to furnish an apartment immediately. So I've kind of been getting things piece by piece. And uh, that includes a TV. So I was out TV shopping, and... Seeing how I'm on the second floor of my apartment building out of three floors, so there's obviously someone under me and someone above me, I'm trying to be conscientious about noise and such. So I was looking for TVs that have some kind of speaker on the front so that the sound is coming directly towards me and not down because a lot of TVs have speakers underneath the frame. Actually, my first LCD TV... My first flat screen TV, which I got, uh, wow, it was four years ago. Can't believe it was that long ago. It was this awesome Samsung 32-inch TV that had speakers on either side of it. The TV was a little bit wider, but it was a 32-inch TV with speakers on each side, so it projected beautifully. And now I go out to try and find a TV that has a speaker on the front of it, and no luck. 
can't find them. And I think I figured out why. Because every company who makes TVs now makes sound bars. And because those start at $180, it makes more sense to sell a pricey accessory, even though they do sound great, than to provide a television which will just properly project sound. And uh, at this point, I don't need a sound bar. I'm not going to go shopping around for one, but I thought just to be conscientious about noise, especially because I'm a night owl, so I watch movies late at night and all that. I certainly don't want to disturb anybody below me, so I thought, ah, well, if the speakers aren't pointing down, there won't be any kind of noise reverberating through the floor. Alas, I can't find it. I found one Vizio TV, but I'm not necessarily buying it on the strength of, oh, the speakers are facing me. So, yeah, this whole soundbar thing is some kind of racket that has... (laughs) become the standard they sound great they really do i do like them but i'm not going to get one right away and a bunch of them have subwoofers as well and that kind of will defeat the purpose of trying to keep the noise above me because if all the bass is sitting in a on the floor coming through a subwoofer that's going to send some vibration through the floor and that's probably going to annoy the person under me so you know what i'm not even gonna i'm not even looking into it now but soundbar thing definitely some kind of racket that i don't expect And uh, while I was shopping for TVs, by the way, I was in Best Buy. Of course, it's the only electronic store left since Circuit City is gone, and there really aren't any competitors. I mean, they're mom-and-pop TV shops, but as far as going for selection and price and all that other stuff, I've been sticking with the chains like Target, Best Buy, Walmart, etc. Now, the annoying part is you can't go into any one of these stores. I've complained before how, especially out in Los Angeles around election time, There were always people standing out front of Best Buys and Whole Foods. And I know Whole Foods, some of them have signs out saying no solicitors, ignore solicitors because we don't encourage them or some kind of verbiage such as that. But basically, Whole Foods does not encourage solicitation, so ignore all solicitors. But sometimes these Whole Foods stores are in plazas, so I guess the plaza ultimately has a say whether or not solicitors are allowed. So... It always bothered me that these people are standing out and they need to ask you about whether or not you're registered to vote or to sign a petition for this or all sorts of stuff. Uh, Actually, there was one I ran into at a a different store. There was actually two representatives from the D.A.R.E. program getting signatures regarding, uh, frankly, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was about bullying. And I'm thinking, wow, D.A.R.E., that was all about drug education and trying to keep kids away from drugs and I guess somehow that the focus has shifted to bullying in some sense. It was kind of weird. I didn't expect that at all from the, the D.A.R.E. program, but I guess the program's already in schools now. They need to tackle bullying, which is the current wave of concern among kids, especially younger kids. But, man, the D.A.R.E. program. I think I still have that T-shirt somewhere. That and great. I don't know how many other schools had that, but it was gang resistance education and training. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I don't remember what D.A.R.E. stood for exactly, but (laughs) I mean, hey, obviously I have a thing for acronyms. You're listening to a show with my name in it that shortened is called CAPE, so I guess acronyms tend to stick with me. And I'm probably the only one who remembers, I don't know if it was shown anywhere, and uh, I couldn't find it on YouTube because if you search D.A.R.E. on YouTube, you're just going to have a bunch of amateur videos of teenage boys doing jackass-like stunts because, you know, D.A.R.E. is some guy riding a skateboard off a roof or even worse stuff than that. So I couldn't find it, but I remember seeing this video that uh, the cop who was teaching the D.A.R.E. program in our school brought in. It was a bunch of cops who all played instruments and they did some song that they wrote about the D.A.R.E. program. It was like, D.A.R.E. to keep a kid off drugs. I don't remember exactly. It was was something like that. It was very 80s style because this was probably 89 or 90 so it had that feel to it. You figure I'd love it because it was something that was in an 80s rock styley, but no, no good. Anyway, so these people standing out in front of stores, as if that wasn't bad enough, and it still continues to go on now, inside the stores, we now have people bugging us. I have people bugging me anyway. I assume everybody all across the country, if you go into any chain retail, is experiencing the same thing because in the last two weeks, I've been in Best Buy, Target, and Walmart, And in every single store, some third-party company is coming up to me asking me about who my cable provider is or about my cell phone contract. You know what it is? It's it's a more direct version of the people 
who have booths in the middle of the mall when you're walking by you try to get your attention now you have people who are in the store who are allowed to be in the store walking up to you trying to sell you direct tv and i just politely brush it off and just say oh i have direct tv actually and they're like oh great and because it's usually some younger guy he usually wants to give me like a fist bump or something to i guess show his appreciation and then he moves on I don't have DirecTV, but that's my polite way of kind of getting around it because I don't want to sit and be like, uh, none of your business. I don't really watch TV and all that. I figure, let me be polite about it and move on. But it still annoys me. In Target, there's some guy who stands around electronics and I guess tries to be helpful in the same way that DirecTV people do in Best Buy. Hey, do you need help finding anything? Oh, well, let me ask you this. Who's your cell phone provider right now? And you know what? It makes me hesitate when I want to go shop in these stores. And I know a lot of retailers bitch, particularly during the holidays, when it comes to Amazon.com stealing away business and internet retailers taking business away from actual stores and it's become a strain on on sales and as a result, payroll suffers and all this other stuff. But you know what? When you have people who are in the store bugging the customers, not even there to help them specifically with what they're there for, but to sell them additional stuff, forget it. You know, it really puts me off going into the stores, frankly. I mean, I've become less and less tolerant of Best Buy as it is in the last year or so. And as much as they never have anything in stock, at least nothing I'm looking for. This just puts me off even further because I don't want to have to walk in and tell a DirecTV person I have DirecTV just to get them off my back because I'm browsing through CDs or Blu-rays. There's no need for it. I can't imagine anybody's grateful that these people are there. Sure, maybe they get a handful of contracts a day, whether it's for cell phone service or TV, satellite service, whatever. But it, it needs to stop. Really, is this where it's come from? Who does this benefit? Is the retailer getting something by having these people walk around? Like if a contract is signed with any given company, whatever company is in the store, does the retailer then get a piece of it? Or I don't understand how it works to anyone's benefit. It doesn't work to the customer's benefit. I'll tell you that. <laughs> At least I don't think so. I don't think anybody else thinks it's a good idea either as far as customers go, but eh, it it really just puts me off going into stores. Uh, It needs to stop. One more item when it comes to stores and merchandise. I don't know where the sudden popularity has come from with these pop vinyl dolls. You probably know the things I'm talking about. If not, they basically are four or five inch vinyl dolls that are characters from every single TV show, movie, Anything you could think of, they have them for Big Bang Theory, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, every Disney movie, and they're just, they're, they're creepy looking. At least I think so. All the characters, with the exception of, let's say, cartoon characters, they have dots for eyes, no nose, no mouth, or maybe they have a little nose painted on or something, but they're just creepy. Why are people clamoring to get these? And I have a bunch of friends who collect toys as well, and they have them for Walking Dead or Batman or whatever. I just don't get the point. I have a handful of action figures from different things. I do have Muppets figures, but they're also akin to cartoon characters where you have something that's not based on an actual person. It's its own character. So you can make a toy that looks just like it. Yes, some toys look just like human movie characters too, and I have a handful of those, but I just don't understand the appeal, especially because they're creepy looking. Just the dots for eyes, no face. (laughs) It's, It's the weirdest thing, and they have them for... Every TV show, all the Marvel characters are out now, all the members of KISS. You can get these pop vinyl characters for everything. I just don't understand the appeal. And frankly, they're annoying me more and more. I do have two. Last summer, I did buy Kermit and Fozzie pop vinyl dolls. But frankly, I'd just as soon part with them because I even thought afterwards, like, why? I have a lot of Muppet stuff, but why the hell did I even buy these? That's one trend I absolutely don't get. It's... mm, it, it. It's beyond my comprehension. Sorry for the pause. My phone just went off. I should have been more conscientious about silencing it. Uh, Actually, here's something interesting. I'm playing... I've been playing Words with Friends for about the last six, seven months or so. I was very late to the party because everybody was playing it. I was like, "Eh, I don't know about playing online games or mobile games in as much as... If you want to play a game in real time, I'm down for it. But if you want to kind of play it at your leisure, then I don't see the point. Especially something where you have to think, like, say, words with friends. I mean, you don't need to spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about your move because it's just a fun game to play. But you do need to use your brain as much as you need to spell out words that make sense and you can't spell out curses, which is a shame. Okay, there's some words you can get away with, but still, I enjoy it when people actively play. I don't like when 
people make one move a day, like a certain friend of mine who I stopped playing because the last game we played, it took three weeks from start to finish, literally 20 days. And I only know that because in a previous version, it would tell you the date you started the game and he would make one move a day and that was it. So that, hence why it was the last game I played with him. If you want to play fine, if you want to get through a game in a day or over the course of two days in your free time or at night maybe when you're just chilling out at the end of the day, that's fine. I'm all for that. But uh, don't drag out a game for a week or even three. But incidentally, I know you can challenge random people. I have mine connected through Facebook just because I want to play against friends primarily. But someone did challenge me and I've been playing them for two, three months. Maybe it's been a little bit longer, but I don't know who they are. They just have a screen name, and I believe, because we're not Facebook friends, that I just have a generic uh, Zynga-assigned screen name, so I guess they don't know who I am either, but I have to say, it, it might sound a little weird, but I'm kind of enjoying the mystique of not knowing who I'm playing against, because they're good. They have a similar skill to me, so it's somebody who is a challenge to play against, but I do kind of like the mystery of not knowing exactly who I'm playing against and just playing against some person out there somewhere. I don't know. It, it's kind of fun. I do like playing against my friends as well. Ryan Taggart, who also is from the only podcast that matters. He and I play very, very regularly. I, I do kind of like playing against a stranger. I think it's, I think it's fun and not in a catfish kind of way where I'm going to tell them um, Justin Timberlake or Jennifer Lawrence or something like that. Like, well, you know who I am, don't you? I'm not going to screw with the other person. And they haven't been messing with me as far as, so what are you wearing? I don't get little messages like that from them. So it's normally just game-related kind of chatter back and forth. But, yeah, it's kind of fun playing against somebody who you don't know. And I hope it's not a violation of the whole words with friends concept. I guess not. If they allow you to challenge strangers, then, hey, there we go. Oh, and one more little pop culture-related item I was thinking about. I wonder if in the next 10, 15 years, given the rise of unique names, I mean, even as far as like naming your baby Apple and aside from the normal kind of wacky names that celebrities give their kids, you're starting to see more and more. I mean, I don't look at the NFL draft. <laughs> no, but you're starting to see more and more frequently people with these unique names or names that are, aren't as common as names of... I mean, all my friends pretty much have standard names, myself included. Chris, Andrew, Jack, Corey, Jimmy, Dan, Ryan. All my closest friends have very normal names, but I'm wondering if in, like I said, 10 or 15 years, we're going to start seeing more kids who are named after fictional characters that young ladies enjoy so much in their youth like Bella or Ed. Well, Edward's okay. Edward's a normal name as long as he goes by Ed or Eddie and gets a tan. So he doesn't look like a pale vampire. I'm okay with naming your kid Edward, but (laughs) we may end up seeing Katniss and Peta and Sookie. Uh, Because there are a lot of girls who obviously watch true blood women, excuse me, who watch true blood Names like this might start popping up. Now, granted, I was born in 1981. I'm 31 years old. I didn't grow up around a lot of Luke's, Hans, and Leia's. But there's also a big difference in between, let's see, Star Wars was what, 1977? Between that couple of years when Star Wars came around and the early part of the 21st century, especially in the last, definitely in the last 10 years, when nerd and geek culture have become part of the American landscape and, I mean, that's why something like pop vinyl dolls can exist, because it starts out when you're a kid, especially, let's say, my generation, if you grew up in the 80s, where you got a Happy Meal and you got some little toy that was a facsimile of whatever movie was opening up soon, or whatever was on TV, whatever Saturday morning cartoons were. I don't think Saturday morning cartoons exist, but that's another thing. The toy thing is now taken off as a result of that, because we grew up with toys of all these things we loved, and now we're adults, so now you have all these comic book shops and places like Hot Topic. There isn't really Suncoast Video anymore, but if you could find one, they usually carry some kind of figures from different movies, like horror movies, or you can find stuff like RoboCop, or certainly you can get, well, you can get the Marvel characters anywhere. 
because the movies are so big right now and Star Wars toys you can always find. But there's been such a rise in geek and nerd culture that I feel like it would almost be more socially acceptable in another 10 or 15 years if you named your kid after one of the characters in The Hunger Games. I really, really wonder if that's something that's going to happen. Am I afraid of it? I don't know. I mean, Katniss, Peta, those are maybe there's an origin in there somewhere when it comes to those names. Sookie, that's it's too close to Snooky for me, which is a dopey nickname for a trashy broad anyway. Oh, actually, speaking of which, again, no good transitions here. Let me move on to something that popped up when I signed in to check my email yesterday in my newsfeed. So this chick, Farah Abraham, who was on MTV's Teen Mom, which don't even get me started on that show, but from what I understand, and yes, I've looked into this, because if I'm going to criticize something, I want to at least be educated about it. I don't want to be one of those people who has no idea what's going on and just criticize it from a place of ignorance. No, I did some poking around because I wanted to at least understand (laughs) how this even got started and how it's gotten to the point that it's gotten as far as what I read yesterday, which is this chick apparently hired a porn star, male porn star, James Dean, and made a sex tape, which was uh, alleged to be, he has since come out and said that he was literally hired to, to perform in this and that they weren't actually dating or in a relationship or anything, that this is something that was planned. That was basically a publicity stunt because we all know how big sex tapes have made certain people in the last five, six years. And uh, she's trying to sell it to Vivid Entertainment, one of the big porn dealers in the world, if not the biggest. Uh, she was trying to sell it for a million dollars and now they've bought it for what has been reported as the high six figures. Now, here's the problem with the success of people like, particularly Kim Kardashian. Paris Hilton proved you could get famous for doing absolutely nothing and not having any talent. Kim Kardashian has found a way to get longevity out of it and as a result turn her family into celebrities as well despite the fact that nobody really brings anything to the table oh i'm an author and i design clothes and all this other stuff sure you do sure you do but unfortunately this is the point where it's gotten where here's this chick who is on a reality show and we all know that beyond that unless you're coming into a reality show already being somebody like say celebrity apprentice or dancing with the stars if you already have some kind of public profile that's a different story or in the case of Kim Kardashian, she was semi-public in as much as her dad was a famous lawyer and her mother's now married to an Olympic athlete who was had a certain degree of notorieties for setting records and all that other good stuff. But she was handed a reality show based on her sex tape. She made a sex tape with Ray J. And then it got out accidentally, because don't they always come out accidentally? And now she's even more rich, as if money was a problem before. And she's infamous at this point and isn't going away anytime soon. So now the whole sex tape thing has become a means of actually jumpstarting a career. No thanks to Kim Kardashian. Because here's a chick who is on Teen Mom after the cycle ends, <laughs> pardon the pun, whatever. Nothing happens to most of these people. They do whatever show they're on, the show ends, and then they pretty much go back to anonymity. Yeah, there's some people who've been on the real world or whatever, who have gone on to do different things. But overall, people have a run on a reality show, and that's kind of it. But since she was an aspiring model before, now she's trying to get some fame by creating this sex tape and selling it. She can go on the sap story of the baby's father was killed in a car accident two months before the baby's birth, and how is she going to do it now? I mean, obviously she got paid for the show, but apparently he's going to college pursuing a master's degree, but now has hundreds of thousands of dollars for making a sex tape that's going to go out. And you know what? I hope nobody watches it. I hope everybody recognizes this for what it is. I Fingers crossed. I don't know if it's going to happen <laughs> because there's enough depraved stuff in our culture that people don't look past, but I certainly hope it's something people will ignore. I definitely won't be watching the sex tape for more than three or four minutes. But the fact that this has now become a career move where you're trying to jumpstart a career based on 
look, I'm young, I'm hot, and you could see me having sex. Okay, but that's it? But apparently now that that's a career track for somebody because it's happened before. We've seen it happen, and now Kim Kardashian certainly has plenty of things going on between being in a Tyler Perry movie and she's quote-unquote written books and obviously is on TV and gets deals for getting married and now with a baby on the way with another one of the most self-absorbed people on this planet. Forget it. You know what? She's not going away. But that's now a template for other people. It's sad. It's ridiculous. But not surprising. But it's, you know what? It's ridiculous that we've actually gotten to this point. And yes, I suppose I'm giving it some attention because I'm talking about it. But you know what? It does need to be talked about because... People like this should be mocked for it when that's all they're bringing to the table. Yeah, it's a different story if, okay, Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson make a sex tape on their honeymoon and it gets released. And, okay, they're already famous. They already have a profile. And you could see two people who are both famous and, well, she was pretty attractive, having sex. And there's that curiosity everybody has about anybody having sex and yeah i picture people having sex all the time all my friends who are couples yeah of course it it does cross my mind and i don't think that's necessarily weird there's certainly that curiosity but you know what this chick for planning something like this as a publicity stunt and trying to jumpstart a career attention should be paid to it because she should be mocked and this should not pan out for her so that we don't have this crop of young attractive women who want to make a career out of just being young and attractive and having notoriety from something as simple as a reality show, which, you know what, isn't that hard to get on in the first place? Inasmuch as there's 24-hour TV, Ryan Gabriel and I were talking about this last week, 24-hour-a-day programming, thousands of channels, it's easier to get on TV now than it was 20 years ago. So, you know what, let's hope everybody sees through this and that this chick goes away. I really hope that we never hear anything from her again. But you know what? It caught my eye in, like I said, the news feed. And I thought, you know what? I at least need to rant about this because unfortunately it pisses me off. And I hope people see it for what it is. Fingers crossed. I keep repeating myself, but that's how much hope I have. All right. So this Friday kicks off the summer movie season officially. Seems to move further and further back every year. It used to be Memorial Day weekend was the big start to the summer, but now it's just May. And it's even started bleeding into April in as much as you have movies like G.I. Joe and Oblivion, which normally would be summer movies. Well, G.I. Joe was supposed to be a summer movie last year. Now it's it's almost like the the pre-show for the summer movie season. But officially, the season starts Friday with Iron Man 3, which is one of the few movies I want to see this summer. Every year, I get less and less interested in summer movies and event movies because every Friday is now an event movie. It's not every month has one big movie. I do enjoy those movies sometimes. I enjoy watching popcorn movies that are nothing more than disposable entertainment because they're like fast food for me at this point in as much as I may be in the mood for it and I'll indulge in it, be satisfied, but ultimately won't take anything away from it. Okay, in the case of fast food, you got some calories and some unneeded grease and fat. You don't, you don't get that from these movies, but that's kind of what they become for me. So this summer, despite the fact that most of my movie-loving friends are going to go see 30 movies, there's really only a handful I want to see. I want to see Iron Man 3, and I will see in 3D, despite the fact that I'm tired of 3D. It's become a gimmick that is more about, I think, selling overpriced tickets than actually presenting a movie in 3D in a quality version of 3D. Because Avengers looks so great, and because this continues along the lines of the Marvel Avengers stories, I'm sure Disney has made an effort to live up to the excitement for this movie based on the huge, massive success that Avengers was last summer. So I imagine the 3D on Iron Man 3 will be really good. And I actually was just sold on Star Trek Into Darkness with the last trailer. I wasn't hot on the first one from four years ago, the Star Trek reboot. And I'm the only person I know who doesn't like that. I just thought it was boring. I I didn't get into it. I'm not saying it's a bad movie, and I'm not protesting outside the theater, saying down with Star Trek, Pluto Nash forever, uh, as some people might think I am. But 
it took me a while to kind of get into seeing this new Star Trek movie and having seen now the third trailer leading up to it, I'm sold because it does look exciting. More exciting than the first one ever looked to me. And I definitely was attracted by the fact that Benedict Cumberbatch is in it because he's amazing in Sherlock, which I've gotten really into, thanks to my friend Corey. That is, he's fantastic in that show. So I would really like to see him as this villain in the new movie. And I'm sure the 3D is probably worth the extra couple of bucks in this case because there's so much hype on this movie. So you know what? I probably will go see that in 3D as well. But the movies I'm into, very few and far between. Those two are both coming out in May. I'm not a fan of the Hangover or Fast and Furious series. Yes, I'm one of two people I know who doesn't like the Hangover movies. Frankly, I think they kind of said all they needed to say in the first Hangover. And I never saw the second one. And the third one, I think, is completely unnecessary. But whatever. I'm sure people will see it and enjoy it. And again, I don't care. I don't hate the movie. It just wasn't my thing. Fast and Furious movies were never my thing in the first place. So uh, obviously people are looking forward to those. And they're going to make a pile of money. But mm, I'm just not into it. Man of Steel comes out next month. And everyone's excited about that. But I've never been a fan of Superman as a character, period. Not even the movies from the 80s. I was never too hot on them. I just don't like Superman as a character because, well, first of all, he's an alien. He's not a man. Let's get that straight right now. And he can't be killed except by kryptonite. So there's very little anyone can do to him that presents any kind of challenge. Same thing with Thor. Thor's a god. What can you do to Thor? Nothing. Unless you can kill a god. So there you go. And I didn't really enjoy the Thor movie either. But since I dug the Avengers, I will be going to see the second Thor movie, which comes out, I think, in the fall. But... Man of Steel, just don't care. I mean, even though Zack Snyder's doing it and Christopher Nolan's name is on it, I mean, that's not enough for me. And I love 300. I really loved Watchmen. I thought that was a great movie. Nothing good at all about Sucker Punch. But uh, even with Zack Snyder behind it, I'm just honestly not that interested. World War Z is a PG-13 zombie movie, so there's no reason I should want to see that movie either. Pixar has never missed with me. I enjoy every single Pixar movie, so I am excited about Monsters and Corp- Monsters University. Excuse me, that's going to be a blast. And especially this summer, one of the big ones I'm looking forward to is The Heat, because it's a buddy comedy with two women, and I love both of them. I've loved Sandra Bullock since I saw Demolition Man back in '93. <laughs> Even more so, that really stepped up my crush on Sandra Bullock in 2000. I believe it was 2000 or 2001 when Miss Congeniality came out. And that was the first time I saw her as a character who was made up to be outwardly sexy. And I was 18 and that was, forget it. I was full blown crush on Sandra Bullock since then. And as some people have said, you hear or rather read comments on YouTube beneath the trailers and commercials and all that saying, Oh, she's playing a, an agent. Like she did miss congeniality and all that. This movie honestly is totally different. And I love Melissa McCarthy. She was awesome in bridesmaids. She was hilarious in identity thief for all its flaws. I thought identity thief was hysterical. I haven't really seen Mike and Molly. I think I've seen one or two episodes kind of randomly. I only really know her based on those two movies, but you know what? The heat looks hilarious. I can't wait. And Paul Feig, director of Bridesmaids, directed as well. So I'm sure coming off of Bridesmaids, he wanted to pick something that was definitely going to just step it up even more. So I am excited for that. Moving into July, I'm not going to go through every single movie, but I am going to point out a few that I do want to see and a few that I definitely don't want to see. Wolverine, you know what? I still haven't seen the one from four years ago, the Origins Wolverine movie. I will just because I think it's going to be it's same thing like I said before. It's going to be a summer movie. It's going to be disposable entertainment. It's going to be something I'll probably watch once, never watch again. This new one looks fun, but just to catch up, I'll definitely be checking that out. Pacific Rim, I'm really excited about because it's Guillermo del Toro. I pretty much love all his movies, all the ones I've seen anyway. I haven't seen every single one, but the Hellboy movies are great. And this movie with giant robots, is <laughs> which... It doesn't look so much. It looks like a good Transformers. How about that? (laughs) So I am excited about that. And uh, if that's in 3D, okay, I may end up sucking it up and going to see that in 3D as well. But uh, I'm not sure whether or not it is. Lone Ranger, I'm not too hot on because unfortunately, since Pirates of the Caribbean, in my opinion, Johnny Depp has basically played a variation on Jack Sparrow in every movie. I thought Dark Shadows was horrible and boring. More boring than horrible, but it, it just wasn't. I don't understand how this was made into a movie in the first place. The idea wasn't that good 
when the TV show happened back in the 70s. So I, I don't know how it became a movie in the first place. But I see him playing Tonto, and you know what? It's just, uh, no. It just doesn't intrigue me whatsoever. Probably be a big hit anyway. Red 2 is coming out. That's going to be fun. Red kind of took me by surprise in that. Not that I wasn't looking forward to it, but it, it was on my radar. But I didn't see it until I, I borrowed it from somebody, watched it, and thought it was awesome. I honestly enjoyed everything about it. Some people were griping because, oh, it should have been an R movie because apparently the comic was more graphic and more adult, let's say. But I thought it worked. I, I didn't think anything was too watered down to where it wasn't enjoyable. So I am looking forward to seeing another one of those because that, that was a good time. Unfortunately, no Morgan Freeman, spoiler from a couple of years ago because his character died, but eh, oh well. Kick-Ass 2 is probably the other sequel that I'm really looking forward to seeing because Kick-Ass, another one. It was one that I wanted to see, I was curious about, finally saw it, thought it was awesome, and the second one's going to be fun. And to see Jim Carrey actually in character, I didn't realize it was him. I thought, that guy kind of looks like Jim Carrey. But it wasn't until the end of the trailer I fully understood that it was Jim Carrey. So it's really cool to see him getting into a character that isn't him putting on a bunch of makeup like in, say, The Grinch. So... I, I am looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a good time. And Elysium, I love District 9. It's one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time. I think it's up there with Aliens as far as a really quality sci-fi movie. It was one of those movies when I saw it, I thought, you know what? I, I don't know what's going to happen. And if I guessed what was going to happen next, I was always wrong about it. It was a movie that constantly took me by surprise. And since this is the next movie from uh, Neil Blumkamp, I'm sure he's going to definitely make another huge sci-fi exciting movie. That's super descriptive, I know. (laughs) But uh, anyway, that's kind of it. Oh, yeah, World's End comes out at the end of August, I believe, which only pads the list a bit more because I think that was supposed to come out in the fall, and they pushed it back to August. So really only a handful of movies I want to see. Not a whole lot that's exciting me. As I said, every year there's less and less I do want to go see, and there's more stuff that comes out that I look at and I think I couldn't be less interested in that, like RIPD, Rest in Peace Department, or whatever it stands for. The movie with Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds, which looks just like Men in Black to me. I'm surprised it took this long for somebody to to rip off that kind of concept and style and look, but eh, you know what? I'm just, I couldn't be less interested in that. So there's a lot of stuff like that's coming out. A sequel to 300, does anybody care? Probably not. Don't know why people thought that was a good idea. I haven't seen any footage from it, but I don't know how. Here we go again. It's like six years later. Does anybody care? Probably not. Women aren't going to come out because Gerard Butler's abs aren't in it. So there you go. You're cutting your audience in half right away. Now it's going to be all dudes going to see the 300 sequel if anybody goes to see it. So there we go. All right, Chris, you've been complaining for almost an hour. Don't you have anything good to talk about? Yes, I do. Let me close this out with a few highlights. Well, I did mention the Rick Springfield CD earlier. Check that out, Songs for the End of the World. But I did hear, and it thankfully just came out this week, the new CD from Tom Kiefer, frontman for Cinderella, who I really dig. Actually, their second album, Long Cold Winter, is in my top 10 favorite albums I love 10 out of the 11 tracks, and that's a pretty high ratio. (laughs) That's kind of how I boil down my favorite albums, by the way, is liking the majority and how much I also like that majority. Because very rarely do you have an album that has so many songs on it that you like every single one. But Cinderella's Long Cold Winter, love it. Uh, This album is not as hard rock as Cinderella and not as up-tempo. He doesn't screech as much in the vocals. The vocals are a little more, I don't want to say laid back, but definitely calmer. And if you like the songs, the mid-tempo songs and the ballads that were on Heartbreak Station and Still Climbing, the last two Cinderella albums, then odds are you're going to like the songs on this new album. Definitely a lot of ballads and kind of mid-tempo songs. Actually, my favorite song on there is Thick and Thin, which is a ballad. And I admit I'm probably partial to ballads because when I was eight, nine years old, seven years old, I'm trying to think, when did I get my first boombox? First grade, so I was... Seven, So the power ballad at that time in the late 80s and early 90s was prevalent. Every band had one, and I, I did love them all for my sins. I did like pretty much everybody's big ballad, uh, which was always like the eighth track on the album. It was always on side B of the cassette. <laughs> but uh, I do like 
that so far is my favorite song, Thick and Thin, from Tom Kiefer's solo album, which is called The Way Life Goes, by the way. I wish they would put out another Cinderella album. Cinderella is the only band I can think of who has more greatest hits albums than they have studio albums. They have four studio albums, and the last one they made was in the mid-'90s, so it's been a good long time. It's a shame that as much as I enjoy this album, this solo album came out rather than a new Cinderella album, but let's hope another one's on the way, and maybe this proves to uh, bring a little bit of momentum to the Cinderella camp. Yeah, there are five greatest hits albums that I know of, at least released in the U.S. Granted, one of them came out after the first four albums came out and had two new songs on it, and then there was another one released in, I think, 2006 that had a couple of live tracks that were otherwise unreleased. But overall, same couple of tracks. Shake Me, Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone, Nobody's Fool, Heartbreak Station. And uh, I'm sure that's more of a label choice than a band's choice, but I always found it funny that they keep putting out the same CD with the shuffled track listing. But new stuff from the frontman of Cinderella. It's really, really good. And there was a book I read over the weekend before I went to bed. I read over two nights because it was that good. It's a book called Oogie, The Dog Only a Family Could Love by Larry Levin. And it actually caught my eye when I was, one of those times when I was out shopping, (laughs) and I was in Target, and there was a whole shelf of books about dogs. And I have been a little sappy lately, especially with regard to dogs, because earlier in the month it was five years since our family dog, Casey, died. So I have been feeling a little mushy lately. And uh, seeing the cover with this dog who you could tell had some kind of facial damage did kind of grip me and I read the back and I was like, oh, I definitely want to read this sometime soon. So I did put it on my Amazon wish list, but then I was at Barnes and Noble and the hardcover was marked down to about five bucks, went home with me that day. And I started reading it that night and read it over the course of two nights before bed, just for about, I don't know, two hours or so before bed. I would just sit and read such a heartwarming story about a dog who was a bait dog for dog fighting who basically had the left side of his face practically ripped off by a fighting dog who was in training and through a series of fortunate events was recovered by the police and brought to an animal hospital where they took care of him and this family who was bringing their dying cat to be put to sleep at this particular animal hospital saw the dog, fell in love with him. He came home with them and affected their lives in various ways. You know what? Just a really heartwarming story and a story also about the strength of an animal, which despite all these circumstances, the dog survived and is thriving. And and I, I love dogs. I'm absolutely a dog person as opposed to a cat person because cats hate me. No, I'm allergic to cats as well. But just personality-wise... I love dogs, so I was immediately sold on the book, and it's great. If you like heartwarming stories, and if you can stand to maybe get a little misty during the book, which I admit I did tear up a little bit uh, a few times in the book, and the memories of my dog and all that coming back to me recently anyway certainly fed into that, but really great book. Oogie, The Dog Only a Family Could Love by Larry Levin. Check that out. All right, that's it. That's everything I've had to say for the last two weeks. Uh, Make sure, as always, to check out The Only Podcast That Matters. Check it out on iTunes. Go to theonlypodcast.com, the home. There's some stuff that's going to be popping up during this week, which will be new. It's not me who's posting it, so I don't want to give too much away about it, but check out theonlypodcast.com. Listen to The Only Podcast That Matters. There's a really funny show coming up this Friday that I'm in with Andrew Ryan and Jack, the original four founders of the show, doing an episode called KingCast, where we take a flight of whimsy at the suggestion of one of our fans. We talk about the things we would do if we woke up and were king of the world, all the things we'd outlaw, all the things we'd put into action. It's a complete flight of whimsy. It's really, really funny. So check that out this Friday. KingCast, from the only podcast that matters, Subscribe on iTunes, give the show five stars, write a review. And by the way, this show is now available on iTunes. Subscribe, write a review, give the show five stars. Uh, The artwork that is up there, I must say, just so everyone's aware, is the default WordPress artwork. 
as the final logo for this show is under construction. The individual episodes do have artwork embedded in them if you're a stickler for that. So if you load it in your iPod, you will you should see the artwork that I've attached to each individual show so far. Yes, subscribe to this show on iTunes now as well. And uh, Oh, and check out a preview clip for KingCast. Go to SoundCloud.com slash TheOnlyPodcast, and you can check out a preview clip of that show that's coming up on Friday. And you can download it, too. All the downloads on The Only Podcast That Matters SoundCloud page are free. So go on there and make yourself a little mix and get familiar with the show if you hadn't heard it already. All right, that is it for me. I will see you again, or you will hear me again, I should say, in two weeks when I'll be sitting down with another guest and having a chat. Until then, thank you for listening. This is Chris Abalo, and this has been yet another experiment. <laughs>